I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's lovely to see you all here on this remarkable and exceptional occasion. We're observing the Feast of St. Luke, so the sermon chosen was actually preached on this gospel from Luke and is taken from our archives. It was preached on May the 30th, 1773, by the Reverend William Douglas. Now, William Douglas would probably have preached the sermon with a slight Scottish accent, given he was born in Scotland in 1708. The school that he founded taught both Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, and he actually moved to the United States to become a teacher of the Monroe family, which included the president of 1823, namely James Monroe. The actual sermon runs to some 40 pages, and if you want to see the original, it is on display here tonight. What you're going to hear now is an extract from the sermon towards the end, which is an invitation to meditate on the significance of the Lord's Supper. First, at the Lord's Supper, we may see the riches of God's love manifested in the redemption of fallen man. Angels, the fallen angels, left to perish, and man taken up. The angels, condemned to everlasting chains and blackness forever, and mankind, not appointed to such implacable wrath and unavoidable and eternal pain, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we see the strange person, our Redeemer, the wonderful, the great God-man, the Godhead with all its essential perfections, united with the human nature and its infirmities, sin, only accepted, we sense the eternal word which was in the beginning with God and which was God, made flesh and dwelling among men, manifesting forth his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, but at the same time poor, hungry, thirsty, weary, without a place to lay his head, a reproach of men and despised of the people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This is a strange sight. God manifest in the flesh is called a mystery of godliness. But so our divine Saviour humbled himself, and we should see and be astonished at the infinite condescension of our Redeemer when we meet together at this holy table, where all his humiliation for our sake is shown forth and calls for serious meditation. Thirdly, 
at the Lord's table, we see how our redemption was purchased, not by thousands of rams, nor thousands rivers of oil, not by corruptible things as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. Fourthly, another strange thing on which we are to employ our thoughts today is the provision, the mystical provision of the Lord's table, spoken of in the scripture under various metaphors, a feast of fat things with refined wine, hidden manna, the Lord's Supper, the bread and cup of the Lord, the body of Christ, the blood of the New Testament, the true bread from heaven, the bread of God, the bread of life, of which a man may eat and live forever. Fifthly, the communion into which you are received by Christ, the exalted Redeemer at his table, is likewise a matter of astonishment. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Apply these words to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and they will appear full of wonder. Sixthly, you who are communicants at the table of the Lord should admire the peculiarity of the grace of God to you. We would be much better than to impute the difference between you and others to your superior merit. Distinguishing grace was always reckoned a strange thing. With respect to your election to everlasting life before the foundation of the world, election to everlasting life is a stupendous grace. You should admire the grace of God towards you in respect to your outward vocation and your enjoyment of the outward means of conversion. God has cast your lots in a Christian land where Christ is preached and offered and salvation promised to whom that believe. That's probably a quarter of the actual sermon. Let's notice a few differences. There's no joke at the beginning. <laughs> There's no inclusive language. Various contrasts are very prominent. Human redemption, as opposed fallen angels condemned to everlasting chains and blackness forever. The miracle that we, as individuals, have been chosen and others have not been so chosen and incidentally, the blessing of being born in America, a Christian country, that makes it more likely that we would be chosen. Such Calvinist stress on election is not normally part of a typical sermon in an Episcopal church. Yet, brothers and sisters, 
there are important continuities. The focus on the marvel of the incarnation, that the Son of God becomes poor, hungry, thirsty, and weary. We all get that. We still do. The mystical provision of the Lord's table, the fact that we dine with Christ at his table, These are themes we continue to understand. On this day, we pause to recognize both the change and the continuities. I deliberately asked the Reverend Ginny Wilder, the president of the Alumni Alumni Executive Council, to preside. A woman would not have been found at the side of this altar in 1823 nor, let it be said, a woman married to Barbie. So that is a significant change. Yet on this day, we also pause and recognize the continuities. There is a love for Jesus that comes pulsating through this sermon. There is a passion for the Eucharist in this text. And yes, there is the continuing extraordinary privilege that we're being invited to dine with Jesus. May past and present on this night enjoy dining with our Lord. Amen.